right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing. Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch Detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your host, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch TV for December 4th, 2022. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Coles, along with my co-host down there, Mr. Chris Bennett. How the hell are you, Chris? Steve, we're doing good, man. We're a little cool, though. It's, it's been in the 30s, and uh, I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, twenties uh, here, brother. Twenty here. Twenties oh, well, here. Yeah, I guess so, no matter how bad it gets, it could be worse. Uh, <laughs> well, as everybody can see, we have our guest down there, and uh, I just want to throw a quick shout out to Hello Mark. How are you? I am excellent, guys. Thanks for having me on this evening. Oh, anytime, my brother. Anytime. And uh, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a while, and um, but we'll get all into that. But we got to do our traditional roll call for the show and uh so here we go and uh let me get up there who is the first in i gotta scroll all the people are all everyone's been hopping yeah yes so we got lance windsor first one in tonight turn the lights on for everybody else paul daglian (laughs) brian mcmahon b is in the house hello b b uh well b may not be in the house he said she was dropping by because she's visiting friends okay um let's see daniel weeks 
uh, from Daniel. Southern Sierra. Hello, Ammon Chris, Lester Taylor, Grasshopper in the house. Nick is in the house, sitting alongside his Hi, meatloaf. Um, <laughs> Angel. Hey, Angel. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we got uh, Sandra Piper, Angel Nolan. Hello, Don Sandra. Fuller is in the house. Jay Fritz. Hey, Donald. Uh, Good old Jay. Mm-hmm. Jen is in the house. Sasquatch Wizard and yeah. Rondax. Prairie Fire. Lockbeard. And there's Joe from Western New York. Bigfoot. Uh, hey, Joe. My Eyes. This is where we start having to get more picky. My Uncle eyes. Bones is in the house. Uh, of course, the Bat Mom in the house. Hello, Bat, Bat Mom. Mom. Lowrider. And uh, I think right. we already said My Eyes. Uh think we got everybody that's made a chat. I know I saw Brent from the Tall Ones in the chat. He's making dinner. Hey, Brent. Um, Helton, a.k.a. Faster Man's in the house. Hello, Helton. Good to see you again, sir. Michael hey, Haywood. Yes. Hello. Hey, Mike. And uh, Lockbeard throwing a shout-outs to everybody. Arthur Watch. Hello, hello. Uh, former former Everything. John Swan. Kaiju Ninja 1985. Hi, guys. We're so glad to see everybody come back. Kaiju Finding Ninja. the trackway. And uh, I think I got everybody. If we missed anybody, we apologize. That's not our. Um, the chat is really hot. Not intent. Yeah, it's really yeah, hot. I'm tickled to death. We got so many in the chat tonight. It's good to see every, each and we every do. one of you. We appreciate you being we here. Do, with we do. We do. So, anyway, uh, we have had one heck of a week. And guess what? We're debuting tonight, folks. A listener call in line. So, at, at some point, as we're going to talking with Mark, we're going to open up not only the questions for you guys and, you know, in the chat, but if you want to actually call in and interact with us, we'll pop the caller line in just like this. And boom, there's the caller line. And um, it's being hidden, which I kind of like. And uh, once we open that up, you come on in and chat away with us and ask whatever you want. Uh-oh. Bigfoot Okanagan's in the house. Mark's in the house Leon? as well. Leon, Mark. there he is. It's your fault. LOL. <laughs> it's always my fault. So, um, oh, but anyway, um, we'll uh, we'll do our traditional kudos and salutations. <laughs> oh. Ah, very good. So, anyway, um, you know, uh, we've often talked about. Uh, on, on this program, and we're not afraid to talk about the disintegration of evidence that comes out sometimes on social media. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it on YouTube. We've seen it on TikTok now. We've seen it for years on Facebook. Um, and uh, a lot of that stuff uh, doesn't come out with uh, a lot of predicate information. But uh, Mark is a guy who um, who's kind of an outsider to the Bigfoot world. He doesn't actually do Bigfoot research, but he watches it very closely and he has for years and uh, Mark has had his own podcast and uh, interviewed people from all sorts of different phenomena. I'm from ufology to paranormal to uh, the Bigfoot world. And I had the you know honor of being on his show several times. And uh, he's got a lot to say about, you know, what he's observed over, especially over the last you know few years. And uh, so we'll get right to it. Mark, how are you again, my brother? Good to hear from you. I'm doing terrific. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a lot of fun to be on the other side of 
of the uh, of the board, as it as it were. Um, I do have to say one thing. When did Western New York Bigfoot research start? That's one that kind of jumped out at me over the last few months of listening to you guys and seeing them in the chat room. They either they're are they newer or because they blew right by my radar. They would have been somebody I would have had in studio when I was on WECK. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know. Joe's been at it a while. Um, you know what? Let me, uh, let's uh, pop and see if he can come in. Maybe he can answer that question for you. Sure. Uh, I mean, not, not, not like it's the biggest thing in the world, but you know, when I, when I started the edge of the unknown on a local radio station here, got 12 years ago, um, my pilot episode to actually get the approval of the station manager and the PD was um, Paul from uh, BFRO, and he was my first in-studio guest yeah, as well. Paul and yeah, super, super good guy, um, and have had the pleasure over you know the years that I did uh, the show on ECK, and then when I moved to um, you know the, the different radio, you know the online radio networks. Paul Bartholomew has, has always been awesome. Steve, you've always been super good to me. Um, you know, a number of different organizations, but that one just jumped out at me, and I'm like. If that was in my backyard this that entire time I was doing it and had no idea. I'm like kicking myself. And uh here is Joe now. Joe. Joe. What's going so, on? Joe, would you like to answer uh you know Mark's question about when you got started and sure what was the question? No. <laughs> um no, it doesn't hey, it doesn't surprise me. I fly under everybody's radar. I flew under the radar for well, right up until about six years ago. And that's why, because I didn't really have a name or start like a, an organization. Uh, he was just Joe. Six years ago. Yeah, that was just me going out there, stumbling around the woods, looking for evidence of Bigfoot. Um, so it wasn't until about six years ago that I discovered everything on the internet. And I was like, holy crap, I was surprised. I was like, what is all this that I'm missing, you know? And, you know, and then I just, I was like, well, let me get on there. And at first I started out as Western New York Bigfoot research organization. And I got kind of tired of whiny bro. <laughs> <laughs> whiny bro. Whiny bro. And so I, and, and there was other reasons, but I ended up changing it to what it is currently which is the Western New York Bigfoot Investigation Group. So yeah, oh, good. That makes me feel better that I didn't I didn't miss you when I was when I was in the full nah. full blown nah. uh, show of of the Edge of the Unknown. So that that makes me feel better. And you must have been obviously a little bit closer, or <clears throat> at least watching. Again, going back, probably even farther, probably sixteen years ago or so, with the uh, the hoax out in Clarence, New York. I don't even remember the uh, the gentleman that was that came oh, out. Hans was, Mobius. Well, Hans Mobius. Yeah, that, that's oh yeah, yeah. So yep. yeah, not not kicking kicking around that one because that was obviously a, a well known hoax. And know. guess who? And guess who showed up to promote that one? That's who. That's his name. You and Steve. Oh, you and I talked about it. <laughs> that's who showed up to promote that one. Was Biscardi. that's correct. And got was, chased out of town. <laughs> that was the one with the, the Bigfoot photos by the uh, the golf cart or something. Yeah, yeah by the John Deere. Yeah, had the yeah. big fro on there. That's that was pretty cool. Yeah, the head looked <laughs> look like a big hairy ping pong ball. 
But uh, oh, but anyway, Joe, thanks for swinging in, and uh, no I may problem. I may recall you in a little bit. No problem. All right, my brother. Have a- Good to see you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Well, that settles that. That was easy. And a good sure test was. of your system. And a good t- test of your system as well. That's awesome. Yeah, sure was. So uh, so anyway, Mark, you've got a lot to say about what's been going on in the Bigfoot community because you've you know, talked to, to people like Paul Matea and Paul Bartholomew you and me and uh, some really respectable people. What, you know, what what goes? What What, what drives me nuts, and it's not necessarily the... You, you know, the, the the television shows that are a little bit off, you know, I'm not going to, they're there for a reason. It's entertainment and people like to see all that sort of thing. And I, I, I see that for what it is. But when it comes down to, you know, people who are relaying information that they want people to take seriously, you know, I've just seen a very serious drop in credibility. And when... People are pretty want to be facts. I understand in the heat of the moment, you're maybe you're on a hike, you're on a camping trip, you're not expecting something, you know, to jump out at you. You're not prepared. So, you know, anything that you might catch as far as a photo or video, totally understand that it's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, in any circumstance of anything happening out in the wilderness um, that takes you by surprise, or gosh, walking downtown in any given city. Um, that's not what I have the biggest issue with. What I have been having a issue with is the clearly nonsense, um, the clear nonsense that is being allowed to be shared in the of scientific investigation and not just an interesting story or a scary story, or a, I have no idea what this was, but something strange happened to me in the woods. There are so many outlets now for the kooks and, you know, and I love, I love the, the lunacy that just the, the unbelievable nonstop BS that unfortunately really resonates with people and sucks a lot of people in and takes away any kind of scientific look at what is or what could be running around in in the woods whether it's here or florida or anywhere in the world and that has led me to look back at a lot of other pieces of i'll use i hate to use air quotes but stuff that people have said you know no that's evidence and we're gonna bring off of that um and i just started doing this kind of retro perspective of all these things that you know at one point i might have given a little bit of okay yeah that's possible to okay you know what that's probably not what happened there's probably more to it than that um but again just that perpetuation of you know this this really happened this is evidence this is something that you know people should be paying attention to when honestly it's just as weak as the hans mobius thing that happened you know literally eight miles from where I'm sitting right now. And it's just, uh, and I, I don't want to take up, you know, and just keep rambling, 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 but the, the, the genesis of all this, and I'm not going to name the podcast um, because I listen to lots of podcasts from all different walks of, of life. And, and um, it focuses on people's experiences um, with their eyewitness accounts of 
uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. The story, and it was over long, was so convoluted. It was it was filled with so much detail that halfway through it, I'm like, there's no way in hell any of this happened. No one would be able to recollect anything like that and tell a story of an encounter mm. with a large, hairy, bipedal creature in an instance of however long the encounter happened. There's no way in hell that you could really stretch that out for over an hour and have it be believable. And, and I know some people will probably take me to task from that and say, oh, well, no, I can remember everything and all that. No, you can't. And Steve, you, know, you, deal, with, you, know, you deal with people in this world, um, in this realm on a daily basis. You're not as good as you think it is. And when you start to tell a story that probably could be encapsulated into 10, 12 minutes tops, when you're going on and on and on and on and on, there has to be embellishment. And the, the reason that I have an issue with it is the podcast passes this off as these things really happened. This is evidence of Bigfoot. And I think that hurts the real researchers in the community, the people who are taking this seriously, who are doing and putting in the work that, okay, I'll use, yeah, unfortunate example, Steve, I'm going to use you. Um, you don't have any experience like this guy was just saying, the three other ones that I listened to. Um, I'm sure if I called Paul, I could ask him, you know, what's the most fantastic thing you've ever seen? or heard, or recorded, none of it touches any of that. And that just drives me insane in all walks of the paranormal. Tonight we happen to be talking about, you know, Bigfoot. It just, I just, I can't get over how people, and I hope to God they're not making money off of any of this, um, but it, it really taints the entire community. And it makes people who might, you know, maybe like me, who happens to be a pretty open-minded guy and willing to listen and willing to check things out, it, it it runs the risk of those people who could be champions for investigation to completely shut off and go, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to listen to anybody about this again. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You know, um, it does become uh, very... Uh, discouraging a lot of times when you hear all these stories that you know people are, are fantastic and you're right they've had a roadside crossing yet they can tell you every everything about the creature oh well its feet were this its hair were that and that 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 to me usually is a sign the person is is, is lying about it um years ago i had this guy who told me two stories and the second story was he was in a on a bus literally and he saw one in the field and he drove by it and uh, I asked him, how long was your sighting for? He says, oh, it's about 40 seconds. Well, even a bus traveling at 30 miles an hour, you're only going to be like five seconds, you know, frame of, you know, yeah. field of vision. But this guy could incite all this um, exactness of, you know, what it looked like, its hair color, its eyes, its face, everything. Now, unless you're really an incredible observer, which I do not believe he was, it, you know, some of the stuff and it's possible the mind is filling in the blanks with in this case but i i don't you know given the fact of what happened before i don't believe him at all but but yeah uh yeah this, that this was one, and I'll, I'll give everybody the gist of this it was a guy who was camping out 
And the night before this event, they had heard some noises and they were near um, a, a known investigator uh, that ran a, you know, a little general store or something. So he went down and asked the guy and the guy said, no, that's, that's, I, I don't, I wouldn't believe the sounds that you heard would be, you know, it would be Sasquatch related. But then the next day or the same day he goes and talks to this guy, he decides to go on a walk with his dog and runs across uh, what he believes to be a Bigfoot. And it's exactly what you were just saying. Suddenly he's describing its hands. This thing is sitting in the crook of a tree and he's, he's talking about how it's one eye would reflect while the other one didn't. And okay, all right, so maybe that's possible that happened. But now the story proceeds to go into how it turned and looked at him and taking pictures, which were not shared anywhere. There were no links. There was no nothing. There was no any follow-up to this these pictures that he's taking of this, this creature. Um, meanwhile, the dog's not doing anything, which I don't know what kind of dog wouldn't react to. I mean, if a squirrel comes into my yard, I've got a golden retriever. That thing is hell on wheels after a squirrel or, or birds. I mean, but anyway... So I'm going to put that on the shelf and say, okay, maybe that's a possibility. The dog's not paying attention, doesn't see this thing. So the story continues, and now he's describing its facial hair and its hair and how big it is up in this tree. And I'm like, okay, I'm buying it, I'm buying it, I'm buying it. He decides that, well, maybe it's time to go home and leave this creature where it is, and he proceeds to leave and comes across a little rocky outcrop. He talks about this boulder. And he's feeling like, you know, something's looking at him. Now, again, I'm starting to say, if I'm walking around in the woods, not expecting to see something like that, sure, I might have that rational side to take a picture. But the other is going to be like, um, is this thing going to rip my arms off and beat me in the head with it? I don't think I would have this calm demeanor as this guy is saying he has. Um but now here he is in a different area, and he kind of notices something funny about this, this rock. And all of a sudden, he sees a hand. And the creature is now crawling up over the rock to get a better look at him. And now he's talking to it. He's calling it Big Guy. And he's calling it, hey, dude, um, you know, I'm not here to hurt you. He's having this whole conversation that he's saying. And I'm, okay, now, I'm, now I'm like, okay, this never happened. There's just no way in hell that this happened. And long story short, so I'm already I'm already tuned out halfway, but I'm still listening to it. He gets back to his campsite and everybody's like, oh, wow, where were you, where where you been? What's going on? And he was like, I don't know. I just went on that hike and and uh and you know, I was only gone for a couple hours, and they all say, No, you were gone for six hours. Oh boy. <laughs> right. And I'm like going, okay, how many how many how much what where'd you get the mushrooms is you know like the, <laughs> but then but this is the best part went on for another 33 minutes after all of this and i'm like going, oh dear lord so i looked into the podcast and again i go back to this was supposed to be serious discussion serious sightings and i'm like okay if this is really what's going on out there Apparently, I have been good enough to myself to not pay attention to any of that and to talk to people, as I've already said before, who are serious about this. And 
then I, like I said, I started going down a rabbit hole and I started looking at other things that, okay, if, if this now in clear voice at this length of time and, you know, the, the story that this guy is telling is complete and utter garbage, is it possible that a lot of things that I was considering before also are? And that's really kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about and anybody wants to say hey no i think you're off base on this um i'd like to spend time discussing a little bit of that but i wanted to give everybody the basis i know that was a long in a lot of talking but it's a great great you know what i mean it's like i I look at stuff like that and then go okay let's review all the other stuff that we've talked about or at least i have is it possible that the same thing was happening there i just didn't accept it for that because it wasn't a long form narrative of what someone was claiming to be the truth. That's a good question. And I I can understand where, uh, you know, people that have this kind of critical thing, especially like journalists, and that's essentially what you are. You're a broadcaster. You know, you're thinking to yourself, my God, you know, in looking at how ridiculous am I looking at this thing the whole wrong way? And, I don't know where we're, we're, we'll do is we'll, we'll have people, we'll open up the phone lines and we'll have people, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. If people want to call in, which we can do now, or if people want to, uh, you know, chat, you know, throw a question in or opinion in, or, uh, please do. Um, uh, my, uh, my, my thing would be, would be, where's the source coming from? You know, because you know what, you can look at the BFRO site, and I have access to the backside of that. So I see a lot of different reports and some are crazy. Some are not. Some are, you know, very credible. Some are not. Well, uh, that's what I like and, about Mark's point, Steve, is yeah. how can, you know, most sightings can be explained in one paragraph. Now, how can you go on for 45 minutes talking about what you saw during uh, now, now let me seconds. let me ask Mark this question: Was the narrative being solely provided by the gentleman, you know, espousing is this experience, or was the host involving questions or anything like that? No host. It was it, it was over an hour of this person, and again, the other the, the subsequent ones that I listened to, it was it was open mic night. It was gotcha. here. here you have the reins tell us what happened yeah. no questions yeah. no prodding no no real you know thought gone into it it was just hey tell us your mm. campfire story which i have no problems with that's what you yeah. want to present it as but don't come right. in, in, and grab me and say hey i gotta tell you this story look I, i've been to you it's funny you know chris when you mentioned it's cold i went outside yeah. today it's it's 30 degrees and i'm like man is it cold and i had to remind myself i've been in minus 28 weather up in yeah. algonquin yeah. provincial park and then i'm like no, it's not cold. Okay, it's it's thirty one degrees out. You're fine. Right. And but then that remain might just in this discussion reminds me of when I've come across um, moose out in the middle of a trip. I I can remember seeing all these things, or you know, especially when they come up on you and you're not paying attention and you just notice it. Um, I can sort of tell you those stories of when it happened, but not into the length of detail and quite frankly even if you've never seen a moose in real life up close they're a hell of a lot bigger than they look and even a moose is startling and that's why i hear these and again there were other you know other stories on this on this podcast where i'm like listening to these people going 
no human being would react that way. And I guess maybe that's hyperbole or I, I'm being judgmental, but knowing as many people as I do in my field of work, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and, and, and the, the, the shows that I've had, no one has ever told me a story like that where they didn't add to the end of it and I almost, you know, crapped my yeah. pants. Right, right. So let me... See, to me, it would be the source. That particular podcast, uh, you know, if they're always saying, oh, let's tell your campfire story, and they always have these incredible stories that last an hour, um, perhaps they're not really people calling in, but it's already set uh, to go. Yeah, sure. Scripted, uh, maybe. Yeah, scripted. We, we've talked about that before, that a lot of, you know, I've listened to some shows where some of the witnesses sound very scripted. Yeah. And to me, it's amazing that these shows get the number of eyewitness reports that they do. Like, really? I mean, I, I look uh, what comes in from New York and uh, the surrounding states to the BFRO, and the vast majority of them are not... Um, even eyewitness testimonies, there's audibles and, you know, maybe tracks or maybe other stuff or tree knocks or stuff like that. Yeah. But the actual number of incredible sightings are very, very extremely low. So my, my point would be to that is how are they getting all these incredible, you know, reports week after week after week? And yeah. what they'll tell you is, Oh, well, we got 52,000 subscribers or we got, and that's why. No, that's not why. Because at my peak, I never got too many incredible uh, stories. Right. I got some credible stories. Like a few weeks ago, we had Anjay Fritz, yeah. who, who talked and we talked more about what had happened after him and how he felt about it, rather than the, uh, the uh, actual. And Mick just came up with a great term. I love it. Scriptozoology. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and perhaps a new one. That, that, that is going to be stolen. That is true. Very good. Yeah, I, I'm going to steal that. In fact, I think I'll have a new hashtag for this show, and that's hashtag no scriptozoology. It's pretty uh, good. Wonderful, Mick. Wonderful. Good show. Great. We'll give you credit for that one, brother. <laughs> And that's where I was, you know, when oh, I was leaving myself. God, does he still have oh, a show, by the way? I don't think so. Okay, good. He finally decided to handle all his legal problems. Anyway, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> um, but so this is where this led me to because I was a huge, huge fan of uh, what I knew them as the Sierra Sounds. Yeah. And. You know, I, I was fascinated by it when I first heard it and was like, boy, this is this is something. And I'm, I'm looking back and I'm also taking in other things that I've had conversations with people. And like I said, let me revisit this and let's look at the facts of what's actually going on there. Without getting into the whole breakdown of what uh, I think his name was, was it Nelson Scott? C. Nelson Scott? Um, uh, Scott Nelson, yeah. Scott Nelson. Okay, so it was, I was close. Language. Um, we, we can, yeah, we can, we can get into that and this, the samurai chat and all that kind of thing. It, it kind of, you know, as I always accepted it, now I'm looking at it 
through the lens of what I just listened to on this podcast. And I'm like, going, as interesting as this is, and as much as I want to give leeway and say, okay, the possibilities are there. Is it possible that these guys went into the Sierra Nevadas and, and had a camp there and encountered some, some strange things and happened to be able to record them and go back to the location on multiple times and, and bring in a journalist and, you know, and, and, and all this sorts of sorts of stuff. Okay. You know, I'm willing to, to give them that benefit of the doubt of maybe that really did happen. But now I'm looking at this and saying to myself, okay, if I'm really serious about this, if I am Steve calls, if I am my friend, Ron Bowles from the BRFO, if I'm any of, if I'm Chris, if I'm anybody who's listening right now, or if I'm Joe, and I know that I am sitting on what is basically a gold mine of biology, a gold mine of history, is the most I'm going to do make some recordings and leave it at that and just say, boy, you know, we have this camp and there's some really interesting sounds up there and not share this discovery and allow other people to get up there and check things out. There's no way in hell anybody who was sitting on that kind of evidence would not share that discovery, which would be probably the biggest discovery in the history of mankind. I mean, what are, what are the three big ones, right? What happens when we die? Are we alone in the universe? Um, I'll, I'll throw I'll in, in, in that term. You know and believe you've got concrete proof, but the most you're going to do is make some recordings and never let anybody go up there for what reason? And now I don't want to be soured on the whole thing, but I'm totally soured on that. So, of course, then I'm doing, you know, more of a deeper dive into the 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 the, the lesser deeper dive that I did when I looked into it before. And I'm starting to say, OK, how much more of this stuff is complete garbage? Now, whether or not people want to believe the Patterson-Gimlin film, I'm not going to get into the gate and the size and, 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 and the, you know, the, the people who have looked at that. It, and this is why we think whatever, okay? What I do know is that those gentlemen who made that video or that, that movie um, told everybody exactly where they were, um, whether it was real or not, shared it with everybody that they could, allowed it to be looked at and, you know, with how many different places that have broken it down and it's, you know, well, we're going to speed it up, reverse, whatever. That's always happened. They didn't claim. They let everybody in instead yep. of these guys who are saying, no, this is exactly where it's happening. We can take you there. We know they're going to come back. Well, that's all you did was record it and then it just goes away. Now I'm calling BS. I'm calling BS on the, the Scott Nelson who's looking at it, knowing a little bit more about his background, that he is not a linguistics expert. Maybe is related to linguistics, but it's linguistics over 
trying to decipher languages over a lot of noise and in combat and the radio waves and all that kind of stuff. He's basically made up his own alphabet. And I'm like, going, okay, yeah, you know what? There's no way that that is, that's legit. And I, I just, oh God, I'm, I'm questioning everything all over again, Steve. So let me, let me ask you, let me, let me kind of set your mind kind of at ease about certain things. And I know you say now the way I understood it was that uh, they were hearing these incredible things and they did go to somebody, a journalist by the name of Al Berry, and they brought him out there and Al Berry recorded them at first. So they, to me, they did bring in a third party to record the Sierra sounds. And the reason why, because they spent a lot of time there, so you would assume that they would have a lot of detail. And they did. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the two volumes of the Sierra Sounds. Uh, the first one was narrated by Jonathan Frakes. The second one was narrated by Ron Moorhead. I don't know if you've ever heard the entire discs of those. Oh, yeah. No, I've got them. <clears throat> and okay. I paid for them legally, I will say that. Yeah, yeah myself as well. Um, so... I think that there was a third party there. I can understand that's their hunting lodge. They don't want people tromping through there um, because what happens, um, you know, for example, I was very public with some Bigfoot groups about my research area after I had my sighting in 2011 and after sighting in 2012 and people started to interlope into the area in 2013 and guess what happened? Everything dried up. So you have to be careful about your own sighting areas. If you have an area where there's evidence and maybe for, for Ron, uh, for Ron Moorhead or for wherever, maybe the, the sounds were enough and the interactions they had were enough. Let me, you know, I don't want to bother them. Right. They're deep in the woods They're whatever. So I think that's part of it. Um, to me, there's a lot more logical explanation. Like, well, he did bring somebody in. They brought in this journalist, Al Berry. So to me, they didn't just hide it and say, oh, we have these sounds that are in the high Sierras and that's it. They did bring that third party in to kind of corroborate the story. Um, no, and, and I, 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 yeah, I totally <clears throat> I understand that. But again, as, as but far this, as the, the breakdowns, the, nuts, yeah. but all of a sudden it just stopped. Okay, they get these sounds, and then nothing. Well, nothing there was... Again. No one else has reported anything similar to this or recorded anything similar to this. Everything happened in this one small location, and it's like, oh, I just, I don't know. I can't buy it anymore. I, I, I did. So, I did for years. So here's the interesting thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was feeling that way, too, until these two guys... Uh, down in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm not even sure where this was. Uh, we know, uh, Chris knows the one gentleman who's been on this show before, Randy Harrington. Yeah. And Shane Carpenter, uh, not not to be mixed up with Scott Carpenter. This is another Carpenter. Different, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently have recorded some audio, have audio recordings, <clears throat> and they're trying to now get thermal in the area. But apparently they have possibly recorded stuff very similar to the Sierra Sounds. 
And uh, that is actually being evaluated by Scott Nelson at this point in time to see if there's similarities. But um, they apparently played them once at this conference, and uh, Scott Nelson's son was listening to it and ran out and got his dad and said, you know, holy crap, you got to listen to this. This sounds just like the Sierra Sirens. So no, but again, we'll see what now, happens. And again, I'm not, I, I, I told you this yeah. is where we were going to go. Yeah. Uh, how much of that was faked based on the knowledge that they heard and knew how many people were buying that story well what's the way to put yourself on the map for for any kind of bigfoot sighting sure replicate but, the same darn thing and, and again but they already told us from those you know whatever universe no human being could replicate these sounds right michael winslow right i mean yes there are people who can do that for crying out loud and especially with the technology that we have today they can do anything they want on their computer. You were just playing around with changing your voice. Right. There's absolutely but, a million ways you can do it. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, here's the issue. And here's a very good issue is that you can be jaded. Now you don't want to believe anything. And now you're afraid to believe anything because of that one story. So, right. And that, that's, that's where I, I want to be careful Right. With, with with what I what I'm saying, because, again, I don't want to take everybody so, and not believe so, everybody and be the skeptic right. on the wall. Right. Yeah, he even said that John Swan just asked, Mark, do you believe in anything? <laughs> um, but, well, you know, you know, you, Mark you, does you, have a point, though, Steve. I mean, uh, very, very good points. But it kind of strains credibility uh, when you have somebody that has this super great area and they record these unknown sounds, and then it doesn't go any further. I mean, you know, what, did we put trail cameras out there? Did we set up uh, uh, a hide in a tree? You know, uh, but before to... before they were commercialized, everybody's got to remember right. before the Sierra sounds were commercialized. Yeah. Um, and this is where my history of the the the, the history of the mystery comes in. Yeah, was an actuality. They were, this is back in 74, 73, 72, 73, 74, 75. Yeah. And it wasn't until I think 77 or 78 that a show called In Search Of picked up on. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure after the In Search Of episode where they played some of these noise sounds for the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, then perhaps Ron was approached by somebody to say, Hey, listen, we'd like to do this nice professional outlay of this and so on and so forth, which of course, but at I that guess. point, why, why wouldn't you do that at that point? My, my, my point is, is that the, the Sierra sounds weren't put out there until the eighties, the late eighties. And they had been around for 15 years. Yeah. Well, my, years. my point goes back to, okay, so now we're into the eighties. We've been, through the in search of there's been documentaries they've got the ivan sanderson what have you's but it's you know the, the movies are out there it's you know the whole idea of bigfoot is being commercialized these guys never once thought to say hey let's go get grover krantz let's go get uh, go get somebody else and bring him up oh, here I, like you know what i mean I, it's like yeah, it's I, I get that, you start yeah. to go okay we bring in some some journalist who's probably going to go along for the ride. I don't know. 
you know, I don't know his whole background. I'm sure he's a was a wonderful guy and a stand-up guy. But it just it's it's all of a sudden this credibility is this like sliding away. It's like you knew you were sitting on a gold mine, according to you, and you didn't bring any other experts in. You didn't go back because you were worried about your hunting camp. Okay, come on. The Sierras are pretty big and those animals are gonna go other places. It's just those little little loopholes here. Did this really happen? Well, it is a fact that Ron did approach in the 70s, uh, Dr. Arlen Curlin. Um, again, he's a professor of electrical engineering. Um, according to the site, Dr. Lynn's complete record of the CS sounds was given at a UBC conference held in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia in 1978. Again, this is examining the sounds of it. So, yeah. you know, it was sent to Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, for uh, the original uh, Legend Made Science uh, documentary done by uh, Don, uh, Don Hijack, Donald Hijack. Um, so, you know, and I know, um, I, I know it. it's tough to take the cynicism out of things. And I always said that, you know, even in my latest book, I put up some questions about that that I don't think any piece of Bigfoot evidence per se is beyond criticism of some sort, um, including my own stuff, of course. Um, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very tough to sit, but the one thing you don't want to be is, you know, look at everything now with, Oh, this can't be, this can't be. And it's tough. Uh, you listen to this particular channel and hear these stories over a period of time and you now begin to realize that, hey, this is all a bunch of baloney. I'm sure, just like people who've watched Expedition Bigfoot, people who've watched, um, you know, Mountain Monsters realizing it wasn't real. Yeah. Um, you know, how about those people that tuned into the Discovery Channel for the Megalodon special, which was yeah. garbage, or the Mermaid special, which yeah. was garbage. Um, and they're still doing it to some extent. <clears throat> Every once in a while, they'll throw out, a documentary and you start to realize that the the doctor or the professor that's talking is an actor. Yeah. And but they're easy to spot because they're scripted. Right. And um, you know, for me they're easy to pick out. And I think that's what you did was realize this guy talking about this for one hour on his own yeah. uh on a quote unquote call in seemed to be very scripted. And I guess, you know, to, to answer um, that, I don't remember who said it in chat. Does he believe in anything? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I believe in things that are are, are worth believing in. I, it's, 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 I guess it sounds a little, a little crass, but if these things are happening, you know, the, the skeptical side of me does come out and say, okay, why did it suddenly stop? Why hasn't anybody else ever, okay, now we've got this Oklahoma example. This has never happened anywhere else <clears throat> that has anybody has recorded with the amount of people who are out there reporting these things now with the availability of being able to report, you know, in, in a number of different places, including BFRO. These things were so focused on one little area 
that it makes it to me even harder to believe that if there is any other kind of language recording any of this with the thousands and thousands and thousands of reports that are out there face-to-face um reports or you know reports of sightings or noises or that sort of thing um none of the stuff that a lot of people report happened really at any level of notoriety or notability in the sierra sounds but they happen all over the place and the exact opposite where we're hearing wood knocks or reports of this or reports of howls so one group of these wood apes are still stuck in howling and banging on rocks and trees but this one little cluster over here has what is being purported as a functional and recognizable language well again it's amazing well i would not necessarily put scott nelson's summation involved in that put take that out of the system do you hear knocking and clacking and stuff on the sierra sounds absolutely well that's what i said so i mean it does happen so so if you take scott nelson out of the picture uh just like you know you find you know you take melba ketchum out of of the the example you take these people that are interloping into existing data like mk davis and the patterson gimlin massacre these people are interloping and trying to spin it for their own good. I would take Nelson's stuff and, and move that out. Um, and, and just look upon the Sierra sounds as the Sierra sounds, not anything else. But then again, that's why my, my question still stands. It only happened in this one portion of an extremely large country and it doesn't happen anywhere else other than this. But there have been people that have yeah. reported having sounds similar to the Sierra sounds. They just don't have the benefit of having having a digital recorder. Well, then we go down the rabbit hole of who is who's yeah. playing that game of hey, well, I heard it, so I can say that too. You know, I mean, I was <laughs> then, in the, the Stanley Hotel sure. or the Stanley I, Hotel. I you don't know, dis- I, I don't disagree. There's really a great example of some audible pareidolia. Um, and I I won't necessarily disagree with that, but there were a lot of different sounds that were captured on those Sierra sounds. There were whistles, pops, grunts, howls, and knockings. So there was a whole full gambit of stuff. And, um, you know, I'm peeing in everybody's Wheaties tonight. I know that. (laughs) And I'm not, all right, just, yeah. Like I said, it's just it's not something that I, I would never consider because I think things like this, of if we want to throw it in paranormal cryptozoology, when it comes to when it comes to Sasquatch, Bigfoot, what have you, there there seems to be a little bit more. And I'll, I'll throw uh, UFO or whatever they call them now, UAPs. There seems to be a group of people that are a little bit more rational um that research it so there there always will be that with me that okay i'm going to take steve seriously i'm going to take these guys seriously i'm going to listen to everybody i mean that's what i do and that's what i did and still do as a, as a show host I, but my podcast is completely different now but i still get lots of stories about bigfoot 
in, in that capacity, I just read what I'm given. I don't have any comment about it, whether I believe it or not, because it's not the nature of the podcast. But there's evolution with the way people are investigating. There's evolution with the way that people are communicating their stories. Nothing outside of this one that you just mentioned, I keep repeating myself, is as fantastical as what was going on in the 70s. And you see that in all branches of the paranormal activity and, and, and the debunking that they've done with all that kind of stuff. But the credibility of people who see these things tend to be what I would consider rational human beings who saw or heard something extraordinary out in the wilderness. But then there's the other folks who, like I said, in the beginning of this, that are ruining it for everybody else. Well, they'll say, well, I know where there's a graveyard. Well, let's go right, look right, at the bones. Right. Well, I don't want to do that because uh, I don't want to disrupt the, you know, upset the Bigfoot community. Oh, for crying out loud. Yes, yeah. you should. And yes, you would if there was anything really there. Yep. If uh, there's a chance to get a body, we'd sure get one. Right. I'm not saying I don't want to, I want a bunch of nuts running around in the woods with with 3030s, you know, taking pot shots or whatever they can. Of course not. But even any extension of that kind of research, look at look at how many people are in BFRO that would be would jump at the chance to go and spend time in that area. I don't even know if BFRO ever has gone on any expedition in that area. I would think that if there was a group of creatures sophisticated even though it is you know whatever we're coming up on you know almost 50 years ago right that you would still go back to that same area if those things existed there sure they might have migrated away if they existed in the first place but if not why wouldn't other like creatures still be living there so my 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 whole purpose is this is that does the Sierra sounds on the premise sound overly that incredible? To me, it doesn't. And I, I think there are going to be flaps where you find an area, especially remote like the High Sierra, where you may actually encounter something for a small time. I did myself between 2010 to 2012, um, where it culminated into me having two separate sightings a year apart. One of an eight-foot Sasquatch, one of a five-and-a-half, five-foot one. Um, it happens. And then the, it sounds like an incredible tale, but I'm spending a lot of time in a particular area, and that's how, that's apparently what's going on with Harrington and Carpenter now, is they, they have this property where there's some activity been going on, some regular activity, so they staked it out for quite some time. Just like the Sierra Sounds, they're there for, you know, a couple of months, a year, or a month, a year, whatever. And they happen to stumble across this. You know, well, does it with- sound incredible? I don't think so. I think that there are times when, you know, but then you have people like the Carter Farm, um, where, you know, they're knocking on the door asking for garlic, and they're calling it habituation, and they're leaving it notes, and it's leaving it notes back, plus other crap. <laughs> That that kills that credibility. So I think it's possible to have these pockets. What you have to understand that back in the 70s, there was very few people. There wasn't social media. So 
Was this happening elsewhere? Maybe, maybe not, but these are rare circumstances. So perhaps education has come a long way on these, uh, on, on the ability to do the research and techniques back in the seventies when Moorhead uh, and the other guys were recording, you know, that was considered, Oh my God, this is cutting edge research because uh, you know, at that time I'm, I'm fairly certain they didn't have game cameras. <laughs> uh, if they, they had did, trap certain, cameras, yeah, they it certainly would, were... wouldn't have been anything night vision in it, you know. Correct. But uh, uh, by by recording, doing those recordings, that was probably considered cutting edge research at that time. And uh, you know, you can't can't really fault them for it. But, but how again, did they? But see, this is where I'm. Oh gosh, this is where I'm going. I'm, I'm already thinking about this, and it's driving me crazy. No, go ahead, man. So how did they know that on that particular trip, these things were going to come? And as soon as that trip was over, they left. That's interesting. You know, how many other times did they go up there that we never really talk about that, that they didn't hear anything, but it just so For a while. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, yeah. If you listen to the narration, if if you listen to the narration, it wasn't something that just started something that was gradual. Right. Um, but I'll, and and so then what they do is on their, their their next trip out, they're taught they talk to Al Berry and Al Berry brings his recording equipment up there. And Al and never asks to go back. He but I, I believe he did go back for years. He was another firm, firm believer in what had happened there. Oh, I don't experience. Know. Um, that makes me want to believe him or if that makes me think he's full of stuff <laughs> to it. Well, um, <laughs> Again, well, a third a third party to that. He could have went up there and found nothing, and that would have been the. There is something, part. yeah. There is something to the secrecy too that I can kind of relate to. Uh, if you've got something going on and you know it's it's really good, you don't want everybody and his brother tromping through there. But now they could have contacted. I'm with you. They could have contacted Grover Krantz or somebody like that and got them up there, you know. And I'm sure he would have went. Uh, Grover was uh, head over heels for Bigfoot. You know, he was a firm believer. Never seeing one, he's still a firm believer in the creature. Um, but then again, just, every everything was done on pen and paper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, you would have to write a letter or uh, find right. a telephone number and, and talk yes. and, uh, and, and convince somebody to go out there. Um, they had a Bigfoot letter, a Bigfoot mailer uh, that you could get if you sent them a Sacy, a stamp, self-addressed envelope, and they would send you the a printed copy of the the Bigfoot letter for information. You know that was cutting edge back then. You know, <laughs> but uh, the, the well, different didn't, types didn't, of what I, I believe yeah, about um, about the Sierra sounds, and I don't think that he was in the camp of that. He again, I'd have to go look it up, and Steve, you would know better than I. But again, I'm beating a dead horse here. I just, it was, it, it just, yeah. I come back to why I did my show, wanting to talk to credible people. And, and now, now I get, I guess, I mean, if I ever resurrect the edge of the unknown in any shape or form, how much is this tainted the way that I actually should be keeping an open mind when I keep thinking back to if you knew you had it, you found what could possibly be a missing link, you didn't do more than you really ought to. Ought to have, but sorry. Yep. 
I Mick says if they release a Peel Sessions version of Sierra Sounds, I I have no idea what that is. Tell you that would truth. be I, now. I would be I would love to see if there's. Well, I don't even know if John Peel's still alive, but um, very famous recording artist. That would be an unbelievable way to look at this, and I would give it a second or third or fourth or fifth go around if if something like that could could be brought into the mix. Right, but I think that. You know, if it wanted to be capitalized, it would have been brought out a lot sooner, a lot, you know, you know, at the peak of, you know, them selling the Sierra Sounds on CD. Um, but I don't know. Interesting. Uh, Kaiju Ninja asked the question, would you have Ron on your show? Would I have Ron? If I, had, no. if I could have gotten Ron on my show, sure. I would. I had anybody on. I mean, yeah, we it, can, it, for any, we, we can always you know, make... You, we can always make that happen. I met Ron Moorhead actually. Yeah. I've actually met him. Seems like a legit dude telling his story. Uh, so it's hard again. To tell. I don't. Yeah, I yeah. don't do the show anymore. Yeah. Um. But you know, Steve, you've been on for crying yeah. out loud. I started the network, and you were part of that. I, I have woman on the show. That's what I used to tell everybody. She was on only for an hour. Thank God. It was a woman. What the hell was her name? Olga. Olga Horvath wrote a book about a demon poodle that she brought into her family that gave her husband cancer and her daughter. Yeah, she they blamed everything that went wrong in their family on this poor effing dog. I, I would have, so, you know, so, if she gave her husband <laughs> fleas, I would have understood it. But. So, so that's the kind of show that I had where I, I had all kinds of different walks of life people in there. And again, just, just recently it's been sticking in my craw because for whatever reason... Right. I've been rejuvenated with with Bigfoot, Bigfoot stories. I actually have a podcast coming out about some, you know, some reportedly true stories of people encountering monsters and, and a Bigfoot story happened to be in there. So it's been on my mind and I'm just like, OK, am I being too much of a tight ass about this or well, I, or am I just starting to question things in a completely different way? I will say this. I think it takes some chops to give it over to a doctor like uh, Lynn Curlin or giving it over to uh, Texas A&M's, uh, you know, uh, acoustic laboratory. I think that's got some chops and that's got some merit to it rather than uh, just putting it out there saying, okay, here it is. So at least to me, there's some level of trying to validate it because they, they could have come back. If they were hoaxed, they would have come back and said, Hey, we don't believe they're real would have ruined them. So I think that was pretty, you know, pretty chopsy if it was a hoax um, piece of audio. Because the last thing a true hoaxer wants to do is turn it over to somebody that's going to analyze it that could tear it all apart. You know, so I think that that has some merit. But anyway, <clears throat> Chris, do we want to try the call in line? Well, I, I think might as well, you know, <clears throat> hopefully. So I'm going to add that to the call-in line is now open, but you guys need to know the number. If so there it is. Call in, yeah. Yes, the new number. Uh, the call-in line is 518-692-4518. 518-692-4518. We're live, and the call-in number only works when we're live. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, if somebody wants to call in, um, you know we're here. So let's hope this all works out pretty well. Um, but, you know, the Sierra Sounds has been one of the big questions for me over the years. <coughs> I, 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 I'm just fascinated by it. I really am. 
I've, I've never heard anything like it ever. Uh, it is cool. There are some knockings, you know, that, that does kind of relate to common stories. Uh, people maybe, you know, tree knock and then get a response. So, you right. know, that, that, that's one thing that I did like about it. But at the time, though, I think, you know, Mark makes a good point. You know, it does, it strains credibility uh, that more wasn't done. But at that time, I believe Ron needs to get a little past there because that was pretty cutting edge uh, research, you know, to think to take a tape recorder up there and, and, and microphone and, and record these sounds was pretty cool. And, uh, but, you know, uh, there was a thing in the chat. Somebody made a point that, that hunters usually shoot animals rather than record them. <laughs> that, 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 I, that, that is true. They don't normally go out to, to do that. Yeah, it's a totally different kind of experience in the woods. I'll give them that. But understood they found the tracks before they mm. heard the sound. So it may have been like, well, you know. You know, I don't want to get into a debate about a debate about kill or no kill, but right. if they're if they're all up there with high power rifles, you know, why why didn't one plug plug one? You know, I mean, somebody should have plugged one. Uh, Michael asked that. I'm not going to comment because I think like I said I, I I would never want, I, I would never encourage that to just hey let's all no 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 not at all not at all. Now, now all of a sudden it looks like uh, the dawn of the dead where there's just a bunch of bikers running around <laughs> shooting at everything that moves. So does anybody want to try calling in? The call-in line is 518-692-4518. If you call in, we just ask that you mute your YouTube channel so we don't get an yeah. echo. Yeah, Mark's an ass. I haven't... I'm... <laughs> I mean, I don't care if somebody wants to challenge me on something. I don't care. Uh, yeah, uh, I I agree, Lockbeard, that, that Ron has subscribed to, like, the quantum physics type of thing. And, you know, uh, to me, you know, that. It's a little out there. Yeah. It's a little out there. It's not. Yeah, and uh, be, I, I can't remember his name. Oh, my goodness. Really great guy. He came on a number of times. Actually, I think. He was on a, in, in a couple of different shows. Uh, and Steve, you would know him. He's in Pennsylvania. Um, he he does a lot more in uh, UFOs and UAMs. And oh, uh, Stan, uh, Stan Gordon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And the caller from the 270 area code, you're on Squatch DTV. Hello, and congratulations on being the first caller. Yeah. Jay Fritz, can you hear me? Hey, Jay, how are you? We can hear you. Hey. I'd like to ask Mark, has he ever spoken to someone that has seen one of these creatures close up like uh, Joe or Jeff or myself? I've, I've spoken to a number of people. I couldn't give you every single one of their names um, where I would have to, I would have to jog my memory, but, um, but obviously I've talked to Steve. I've talked to Ron Bowles. I've talked to uh, Jim Sherman, uh, a, number, a couple of other folks from BFRO. And there's an Ohio organization that I remember talking to um, where some of their folks said that, yes, they had experiences of either up close or well enough to be, in the vicinity of knowing that what they were looking at was not a human. 
um, but also something that they'd never encountered before. In the vicinity of knowing that what they were looking at was... Yep. Jay, you might want to just mute your YouTube a bit. Coming back a little bit. Yeah, you might want to just mute your YouTube. <laughs> oh, I'm just oh, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. There we go. Oh, we lost him. We lost him. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he'll call because back. you know. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to. I, I just disclosed that I had a woman who said her dog was a demon. Um, <laughs> but sure, you know, and again. The, the, the folks that I have had been goodly enough to chat with or, or to have on the show or write in or, or call when I had my guests on. Um, yeah, yeah. There's been lots of people who have said that they've seen strange stuff in the woods. There's lots of people yeah. who have heard strange noises. You know, I've heard plenty of strange noises for crying out loud. I've got a great horned owl in my backyard. And for the first 10 minutes of listening to it, I was convincing myself it was a guy out there. Cause I'm like, Jesus, that doesn't sound real. Yeah, they are. And then I went on and then I saw it and was like, wow, that that, that is exactly the way it's supposed to sound. Yeah. You know, the the interesting thing is, you know, I heard barred owls all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, on one night I heard this different type of hooting. I'm going, that's a great horned owl. (laughs) Because it was just completely. And I like, let me just double check. And I got my. Ah, Jason, sorry, I didn't realize I was still on the phone. <laughs> okay. Well, mainstay. Hey, you know what? Thanks for calling in. You win the prize for being the first uh, caller. But if anybody else wants to call in, it's 518 692 4518. We appreciate you, Jay. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad the system works, man. That's awesome. Yes, this is pretty cool, isn't it, Chris? Yes, sir. The nice, thing, the nice thing is, is we can call out on it, too. So, uh, you know, maybe we should call Tom Biscardi. That's cool. <laughs> Kudos. Uh, I think. Maybe, maybe Tom calling now. And here, caller from the 541 area code. You're on Squatch DTV. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing, Steve? Doing wonderful. Who's this? This is Paul Daglian. Hey, Paul. How are you? Hey, Paul. I'm pretty well, and I I just wanted to say I understand what your what your guest points are, but if Ron Moorhead is hoaxing this stuff, he's an absolute genius. Uh, Maybe so, and he and he may be an absolute genius, you know. But I mean, it really is. It would be. I mean, because his whole demeanor comes across as so sincere. Agreed. And you know, I, yep. I look. I have to look at that. Demeanor, yeah. Well, absolutely. I think he tells the story very slowly, deliberately, and uh, with a lot of detail. Of course, uh, the amount of time spent, you know, experiencing things. I mean, uh, and I I know that's one of Mark's hangups is that this guy, you know, had this sighting and he was being so descriptive about it. You know, now we're looking at people who have these kind of long term type of things. uh, but by the by, by counterbalance, uh, you know, I my sighting was about thirty to forty seconds. I couldn't tell you what it lo- its face looked like. I couldn't tell you what its feet looked like or what its knees looked like or anything like that. But I could see the silhouette of it. I could see it had long hair, and I could see it, you know its eyes were reflecting this uh, dark orange reddish type of glow back at me, and then it just turned and walked off. And uh, wow. it, it, you know, that's about the best I could tell you of the big one I'd seen. 
the little one I saw a little bit better. It had long, you know, I believe reddish brown hair. It could have been brown, but it appeared to be reddish brown to me. Long and uh, you know, its arms were lanky, its legs were lanky. It wasn't a robust one like Patty, and it it ran off very quick, very flowing, and that was that. Uh, but that one was only like a ten second sighting. It was just really fleeting for a moment. And, um, you know, so there, there, there's different, you know, like here's a 10 second sighting. I could tell you more about the hair color and length and its body shape versus my 42nd one where I couldn't really see what it was, you know, other than the eyes and the shape and the outline of it. So, uh, you know, it, it depends on a lot of different conditions, but it does sound like this gentleman's, you know, sighting was, uh, that out of the podcast was kind of you know, scripted to be, to, to be the best, but well, I all that. Yeah. 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 But so. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, as far as, as far as Ron goes, and I mean, I know what you're saying about these people that have these 45 second looks from a bus and they can tell you the shape of the toes, how many toes, how their fingernail yeah. condition was, you know, absolutely. But those are obvious red flags and stuff, but I, right. With Moorhead, it's an extraordinary story, but it's just, I just have a very, very difficult time believing that, that Ron is intentionally lying about any of it, just going by gut instincts about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, the same uh, with, <clears throat> you know, if you think of the, uh, you know, Patterson Gimlin film, how many have seen a short haired Bigfoot? You know, you yeah. got, you got to, you got to kind of, you know, is it, something different about, you know, I don't know. Um, maybe the hairs, you know, as Dr. Melvin points out the hair, you know, it's just because we got a really good look at the head that the hair seems to be shorter, but in actuality, if you look at the body hair, it's probably long. It's just not as frayed as, you know, some of the other ones. Um, I don't know. Uh, the questions, that's the beautiful thing about this mystery. There are a lot of questions to be asked. I'm not saying that every, you know, every high exalted piece of evidence, such as, you know, as people consider, uh, you know, the, the Patterson Gimlin film or the Sierra Sounds, which seems to come in second as far as, you know, people holding stuff in high regards. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't ask tough questions about them. I think we should. It, it serves us justice when we do just to arbitrarily then, you know, arbitrarily believe. And I think that's a good way to progress because as an investigator, you know, I'm, you know, I can have a suspect in uh, say a burglary or an arson or another type of crime that may look good on paper. Yeah. He's done this. He's done that. He's done this. This has got to be our guy, but that's a belief and it needs to be proved. And it may not turn out that because of my belief, I'm steering this investigation the wrong way. So you have to keep all your cards in play. No, I I think his guest is great, and he raises a lot of excellent questions. There's no question about it. Very good. Any any questions for Mark? Mark is on the line, and he can hear you. Well, Mark, I guess the one thing I would ask is, uh, you know, and this is just a subjective thing, but what what are your overall impressions at this juncture regarding the Patterson film? Ooh, I'm sorry, can you, say, can you say that again? I'm sorry. Can you can you ask that again? He wants hey, to know your opinion. Yeah, Paul, can you ask that again? Uh, Mark, what what are your overall impressions at this at this point in light of your all your recent uh, thoughts on on 
on Bigfoot and stuff. What do you think at this juncture about the Patterson Gimlin film? Huh, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> you know, there, there's so much that has been bounced around with all of that. Bob Hieronymus and, and all the other things that have come out. Um, you know, the, the bouncing of a check, the guys, he's kind of been a, a screwball, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there, there's a lot of things happening there. <sighs> from from a physical standpoint, I don't have the expertise to say, yeah, that is the way that this would move. This is the way a human being would move. And I know they go back and forth on all that kind of thing. What I did say earlier is the, the credibility I had with it, <clears throat> which also kind of works two ways, is, yes, they were going out to look for Bigfoot, and, oh, my God, they found it. That kind of hurts overall the story of, you know, of, of that video or that film. But at the same time, there wasn't any... He, as I mentioned, he was clear hey, about where he was aware. going. Yeah, he was. He said, you know, this is where we took this. This is the exact same spot. We can take you back there. And there wasn't all the big mystery of it other than the fact of was it a guy in a, in, in a monkey suit? So I'm, I guess it's a long-winded way of saying I'm still on the fence. I can't say it's not. Um, but, you know... There's there's some going for it, and there's some things that are going against it. Right, and I think we just lost Paul on the call here. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in anyway, Paul. We appreciate. Yes, it. absolutely. Good from hearing Thank you, brother. So again, if anybody wants to call in, the uh, call in line is five one eight six nine two four five one eight five one eight six nine two four five one eight. And how long are we going, Steve? What's that? How long are we are we going? Uh, uh, usually we go to eleven, but if you need to blow out of here, we got you covered. Yeah, actually, I might have to do that. My my bride is texting me, and my now my child is fully awake. So okay, all right, my brother. Well, thanks for coming on. You've posed a lot of interesting questions, Joe. If you're around, uh, I'll bring you back into the stream. So just turn your camera on when you're ready, and I'll bring you back into the stream. Thanks, so, for, um, thanks for hanging out with us, Mark. We appreciate cool. you. Thanks buddy. so much for allowing me to, to ramble and, and, and be an ass on somebody else's <laughs> show instead of my own. So. <laughs> well, you know what, though? You bring up some very good questions, and that's what you know, yes. people don't understand. That's what an outsider person looking in at this mystery thinks a lot of times. And you've given me a lot of good points to think about, and I'm sure you know some of the other stuff that's been brought up, it's, it's worth looking at again and keep an open mind, and that's all we can do. And and roll from there. Would never say no, but uh, I'm not listening to that podcast ever again. That's all I know. Yeah, uh, and that's probably <laughs> a wise thing. Mark, you take care, my brother. We'll be in touch. You guys take care, man. Have a good all rest right. of the show. Take Thanks, care. Mark. See you, man. So Mark is out. Joe hey, is Joe. in. Hey, Joe. Actually, what I'm going to do is yeah. this real quick. That way we get the... Yeah. And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite uh, Jeff over from Pine Island Research as well, uh, because he has some information more about the, the Harrington um, Carpenter uh, uh, audio recordings. And maybe he can enlighten us a little bit more. So let me just. Uh, you know, there has been so many. Of course, the Patterson Gimlin film has been run through the ringer, you know, and there's been so many shows trying or attempting to debunk it. And I watched the one, I'm sure everybody has seen it, 
the one where they're showing Bob Hieronymus walking across a parking lot and you see his arm swing. Then they try to match that up to the Bigfoot and they say, hey, he has the exact walk, you know. Well, wait a minute now. When Bob is walking across the parking lot, he's walking pretty smooth, yeah, but he's still walking heel to toe. His heel is hitting the ground first. So when Patty, uh, or the film subject in the Patterson-Gimlin film, is walking. <laughs> Grass says, says they'll call it and say, sweet, now go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, the ball of the foot is striking the ground first, then the heel's going down. So... That, that's kind of, they throw that stuff out and they say, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is a direct match to the walk when it's obviously not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if we're going to be skeptical, we also, we also have to be skeptical of the, the debunking. Absolutely. I mean, look, I already threw out anything that um, Bob Hieronymus and, and all that um, had to say as soon as uh, I saw where something as simple as what the freaking suit was made from chain chain yeah first the original suit was supposed to be made from green horse hide yes and a football helmet with a mask or whatever formed around yeah. it with a thing and then oh all of a sudden no the suit was made by Philip Morris hold up what? Right. So as soon as that, I'm like, no, I can't believe anything about this part. You're trying to debunk. Sorry, you just lost me. You're right. It's uh for those people that are interested in that. Hey, caller from the 918 area code. You're on Squatch DTV. We got Chris, Joe, and Jeff all here in the chat. How are you tonight? Sasquatch, and I want to say that Patty set unrealistic beauty standard for other Sasquatches. That's very true. She sure has. It's not, it's not all what, what you see on TV and film is not real and can be hurtful to some Sasquatches. Well, that's very true. And and perhaps, you know, uh, let me let me go over here and ask uh, all the Sasquatch agrees with you that Patty's kind of hot. So there you go. Thanks for calling All in. Right. Good night, gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> Somebody with a sense of humor. <laughs> it's good. Always welcome to. Now we're, we're okay with good humor. So that's yes. Fine. Look, guys, come on. Everybody can admit it. With this freaking phenomenon, you have to have a sense of humor. You have to. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if your name's Chris Noel. Anyway, right. um, and I give that yeah. five porcupines. That, that, it's a Sasquatch, not a porcupine. Anyway, Jeff, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Jeff. Thanks, Steve and Chris. Hey, Joe. Jeff's probably wondering hey. what the hell he walked into. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a. a a little bit of an idea, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Helton said Philip Morris used to make my cigarettes when I smoked. Uh, wrong Philip Morris, unfortunately. 
Yeah, different one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the thing. If, if anybody's interested in the the Bob Hieronymus story about that, just type in a Google search somewhere. Uh, the twenty three reasons. The twenty three reasons Bob Hieronymus was not Bigfoot. Just type that into your Google search, and you'll come up with some interesting facts, like him changing the 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 story about the suit. The suit goes from being one thing to something completely different. It's just, and, and you know, whatever his story changes to suit the moment. You know, whatever whatever sounds best for this moment, that that's what it goes to. And you know, I can't fault him because I don't know. I wasn't there that day. I have no idea if Bob Hieronymus was in a suit or not, but. His story was was not consistent, and I can fault him for that. I'm sorry, Bob. You can't go from horse hide to being a Philip Morris synthetic fur suit, and and expect people to uh, find that credible. <clears throat> I'm trying to find that actually, but uh. Jeff, uh, very interesting uh, that that you know uh, the whole uh, Sierra Sounds, and I, I had to bring out the the Harrington Carpenter um, audio as well. Uh, Twenty six yeah. reasons, Steve. I'm sorry. I was wondering. Twenty six reasons. Yeah, it's on the Amazon. It shows up on Amazon reviews here too. <laughs> oh, there oh, it is. It if it's not being taken. Uh, Taken off. Where is it at? Oh, I got it right here. Oh man, it's just a, a big long list, and the boy, they they nail it. I mean, they nail it every. <coughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. And that's been copied and pasted elsewhere on online. And uh, a lot of the the big ones were like Bob. Uh, <laughs> Didn't know he got the film filming location wrong. Uh, you know. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway, Jeff, yeah, I, 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 I want to get Jeff to he's in here. I want to get him to enlighten us a little bit about what you know so far of the Harrington Carpenter, and obviously they're going to be on your show when it gets released and everything. Everything that's really cool. So, fire away, Jeff. Well, I I think one thing to note is that. Um, they say that their audio recording is over 15 minutes long. Um, it was captured when they were both present at the property on a Thursday night. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, is the next day they left that property because they were going to be speaking at a conference on a Saturday. Of course, they're pretty excited They've, they've captured this audio. They haven't had anybody look at it yet. And they were speaking about the different uh, things that they've experienced on the property. And um, at this small conference, they played the, uh, the, the uh, I don't know if all of the audio or some of that audio, but the interesting part was is that Scott Nelson was a keynote speaker at that conference. Scott was out in the lobby at somebody's vendor table having a conversation, and Scott's son 
uh, Scott Nelson's son was in listening to Shane Carpenter and Randy Harrington speak. And he was hearing these recordings. He ran out in the lobby, got his dad, and said, Dad, you've got to come in here right now. And Scott went in and listened to this. After Randy and uh, Shane were done speaking, Scott met with them and explained who he was. They, they hadn't met him before. Scott said he had he was the one who dissected all of the Sierra sounds that Ron had released or that had been released and dissected them and established there was like 612, I don't know, it's all, let's just say over 600 distinct phonetics that are displayed in the Sierra sounds um, between the chatter and the whoops and the screams and the whistles and the um, different vocalizations that there were, uh, you know, you'll hear people describe it as like sounding like a Native American Ojibwe language, you know, and he dissected these phonetics, not really understanding the language that was being spoken, but vowel pronunciations and things like that. And what he's doing is he, when, when he was talking to them, he convinced them to let him analyze their audio prior to them releasing it and being able to compare it to the series meaning like let's say a minute and 30 seconds into the Sierra sounds that phonetic display three or four or five syllable display you hear at five minutes and 12 seconds in on scott and randy see if there were similarities that existed in these two recordings which I think is an excellent place to start because you, you know, reportedly have two different audio recordings from two different geographical locations recorded decades apart from each other. Um, and you've got the same guy who, I mean, Scott had had a relationship with Ron and is friends with Ron and Ron trusted him to, to do what he did. Now, the interesting thing is that you brought this up, Steve, is and I think the would be smart on Harrington and Carpenter's uh, part not to just have Scott Nelson phonetically map these out, but utilize either Texas A&M's bioacoustic lab or University of North Carolina's bioacoustic lab, or maybe even more than one. Because one of the things I would be concerned about being proactive about if I was Harrington and Carpenter is making sure that when you listen to the ambient background sounds of the Sierra sounds, a bioacoustic lab can establish that these sounds that Carpenter and Harrington have are recorded in a different location. They sound differently. The the dither that's in the background, or the just that that hissing sound that you hear in nature, you can. I if you went out in your backyard and did an auto recording, and I went in my backyard and did an auto recording, Texas A&M's lab can tell you for sure those were not recorded in the same spot, and you might just be listening to the breeze, you know, so to speak. Sure. Um, but I would want to establish that I am not putting out, let's say, quote, more of the Sierra recordings and claiming that they were recorded 
on my sure. property, you know? Sure. Yep. But so, you know, I, I think they're, they're taking the right approach. Now, here's the other thing that a person should probably consider is that when we talk about evidence like this or proposed evidence, let's refer to it as, um, you know, if you just had recordings from a property, uh, a 15-minute recording from a property, what what does that bring to the table, right? What's interesting is we're talking about a property in which they've identified to date nine different trackways in which one of the trackways was over 100 steps long and they took 14 castings from. And all of these trackways they've taken castings from and they've invited Meldrum and other people in the community to look at the casting. So, I mean, they aren't sitting on it like it's some golden egg they're not letting anybody look at. Right. So when you start talking about trackways and castings and audio recordings, I mean, you kind of talk, you start addressing the four different things you would try to achieve as a researcher uh, who's out in the field. You want picture or video something uh, to that effect. You want audio recordings, castings, or DNA. I mean, those are really the four corners in which you're trying to capture evidence out of, right? Short of an actual body. And very few times have you had instances in which more than one of those is ever brought to the community, right? Somebody gets a picture. Somebody gets an audio recording. But it's never both. It's never tracks and an audio recording. It's never. And since the Patterson-Gimlin film, we really haven't seen that. I mean, the, that's the interesting about thing about the Patterson-Gimlin film is they not only had a, a video, but they seen exactly where it walked. They were able to look at footprints or at least the pathway in which it traveled. Yeah. Had they been aware back then of DNA and the capability of DNA, they probably could have found hair samples and things like that and preserved those too. I mean, they kind of had a moment in which they had more than just one of those four elements there. Yeah. And we just don't see that much in research, that, that very often in research. And that's what I think is interesting about the Carpenter-Harrington thing. Whether you believe them or not, it's all going to shake itself out. And we're talking about a property in which they've got castings from nine different trackways. And now they've got this lengthy audio recording that in this recording, it does display chatter, whoops, screams, all the different vocalization styles that we often refer to right. that were all seem to be captured in the Sierra sound. So by more than one individual. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's the real deal. It's too premature to do that. But I'm I'm cautiously optimistic to see what they bring to the table. Yeah. Will it, will it shape up to be something? I hope so. We can only hope, you know. Um, we've been through a lot of disappointments over the year, the Erickson Project, the Ketchum study, the... But we'll see. See what happens. Um, let's throw the chat room. Hey, Joe, you're back. I see. Still muted, but you're back. Yeah. There, there we are. And your any thoughts on any of this? This sounds pretty fascinating stuff. Well, going on. 
like I said, and, I, and I've been commenting in the chat too. I mean, the whole thing is, you know, first of all, like I said, it hasn't, it has not been established that Bigfoot even has a language, uh, much less postulizing as some are in the chat. Uh, maybe they have different languages like the Native Americans had different languages. Well, first of all, you got to establish that Bigfoot even has a language to begin with. Correct. And no matter what the Sierra sounds are, we don't know basically what they are. You know, they don't, Ron Moorhead does not come right out and say, or at least I, I haven't experienced it, oh, those are Bigfoot. <laughs> so we don't know what is making those noises. Could it be Bigfoot? Maybe. Maybe. I think one thing that was I probably... I haven't heard anything like that except for the Sierra Sounds. In 45 years, I've never heard samurai chatter. You know, I mean, I've heard weird sounds. I've heard things that are like whoops, but not like what you hear in the Sierra Sounds. Yep. What I've heard, I eventually chalked up to being either loons or there is a, such a bird called a whooping crane, and we do have those here in New York. Um... So, yeah, when it comes to, to that stuff, I mean, you know, first let's establish, do they actually have it? And, I mean, I understand this is where we're trying to go with that, right? Well, I, and I don't know if they are or not, Joe. What I think where the <clears throat> more important place they're trying to go is establishing the capability to make a sound, okay? So... You know, when you start talking about phonetics, I don't know that five syllables put together that sound similar to five syllables captured somewhere else on audio put together necessarily supports evidence of a language. Um, when I, I use bi I use wildlife acoustics uh, so analyzing software. So when I take, a, if I capture a wolf making a sound or wolves making a sound, I can run it through that software and it'll start out with one wolf that starts howling, and then you'll see that that spectrum track into two when a second one joins, and all of a sudden there's five of them there. And as one dies down, it disappears, and one starts coming up. It's like as a pack, they start making sounds, right? That software can identify when I run another sound through it and say, what is this? And it looks at all these different recorded vertebrae, you know, avians, mammals, and everything in its database and says, this is what it believes that it is. Yeah. It's not identifying that any of them have a language. It's just identifying that their capable vocal ranges would identify that they could produce that sound. I think that's what's interesting about the, the Harrington Carpenter audio is if it is authentic and it is similar to the Sierra sounds. And again, if, if the Sierra sounds are authentic, if you could establish that these are two species that seem to be capable of making the same sounds, that doesn't necessarily mean they, there's anything to a language. You know what I mean? Uh, I got a couple of questions. Uh, first, uh, this one's for Jeff. What's the general location where this new audio was recorded? Uh, it's in Oklahoma. Yep, that's what I thought. Um, 
And we have another question is uh, the government has taken photos and satellites that can read newspaper and taken every inch of earth. Where are the photos? Um, I don't think they've taken every single necessarily inch of the earth uh, at the detail we would like. Uh, And again, to move a satellite to shoot over a particular area for a particular person or creature or whatever for a particular time costs a lot of time, a lot of money. And a lot of actually manpower to man that to make sure it gets over where it needs to get over. Yeah, the, so. the canopy too. I mean, you know, uh, in, in the woods, that tree cover, man, you can't. Right, you can't see anything. Yeah, the else. Earth surface is ever changing when it comes to snow cover, canopy cover, river levels, water levels up and down, exposing. Um, it, it's just ever, it's just ever changing. What the snapshot one day is. You know, when we look at metro areas and things like that, obviously you see where buildings were knocked down that were, there's buildings that aren't there that were six months ago and buildings that are built that weren't there six, you know, that's, it's almost the same out in the wilderness. It changes um, seasonally and depending on, like I say, rivers and things like that, the landscape can always look different wildfires there's so much stuff that makes stuff look different here's a different angle that i i find this very um actually curious myself uh a different take on this graphic crazy you know what he was saying is anybody aware of all these times that people and we know that there's been researchers out there that just every you know people have accepted oh these are bigfoot and they called sound blast the sierra sound Mm -hmm. Has there ever been anybody that's ever got a response from sound blasting the Sierra sounds? Not that I know of. I haven't heard anybody that have gone out, sound blasted the Sierra sounds, and got returned sounds back from doing that that sound the same. From a, I know that, I guess, I'm reluctant to go out and make any type of vocalization or necessarily try to speak a language that I don't know how to speak. Okay. From a research standpoint, I know there are people that are ready to do that now, but the truth is if the four of us went out at three in the morning and banged on a tree twice, waited 32 seconds, banged on a tree five times, waited 12 seconds. If something banged back, that'd be a really cool story for us to tell at the bar, but you didn't advance the ball one inch when it comes to solving this mystery. So, you know, and if I was to go out and call blast sounds and something whoops back, again, I don't know that we've really proved anything. I mean, you've got to need it. You've got to need experience, but I don't know that you've advanced the science. Has anybody done it and recorded it being done is what I'm saying. Not just somebody saying, well, I did call blast it and we got these sounds back. I'm talking about somebody actually going out on video, call blasting these things and then recording return sounds coming back from that. I don't I don't think I've ever seen something like that yet. And then in some of these areas, I mean I guess if I was to do that, Joe, if I was gonna be in northern Idaho or you know in parts of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, areas where I knew I was 20 miles away from the nearest human being, or at least it was likely that I was, maybe I'd try that. Maybe I'd, that'd be the only scenarios and locations I'd do that. Would I go to Oklahoma and do it? Would I go to Florida and do it? Hell no. 
there's enough people like me and you out there with our ears open and we hear some other idiot a mile and a half away blasting that stuff and all of a sudden what do you think you heard joe another guy out there drinking beer call blasting or did you hear something real i mean right it was a porcupine it was a porcupine But seriously, well, I mean, have, I mean, you, have you heard anybody ever doing that, Steve, yourself, in the time you've been doing this? No. Uh, I may have gotten a response once, but I don't use, like, the samurai chatter. I use the, uh, the portion of the Sierra sounds that has the whooping and the knocking. And uh, it's like, whoop, whoop, and it's... Well, back in 2009, I think it was, I made a call blast CD, and I had some different sounds on there. I didn't didn't have the, uh, the Sierra sounds on there or anything, but I did some different stuff. And I, I had, like, uh, I had theorized that a baby crying uh, might, uh, might entice a female uh, Bigfoot. Uh, the you know cr- pique the curiosity and get her you know kind of prey on those maternal instincts and try to draw a female in by listening to a baby cry you know out in the woods mm-hmm. and uh, you know it didn't work. You know. <laughs> That's interesting, Chris. Though because I think there's more accounts of people reporting hearing babies crying in the woods or female voices in the woods than there are of people saying they heard samurai chatter. Right. Well, me and my wife's heard the baby uh, sound camping out where I had my encounter. We heard them at like three o'clock in the morning, baby type sounds, but I think I figured out what it was. It it wasn't a baby Sasquatch. Let's put it that way. Let's, uh, you know, let, let me, let me predicate this by something saying that I think any call blasting that would elicit a curiosity response out of a Sasquatch, which is natural to primates, yeah. is a good thing, as long as it's not aggressive. Like, right. I'm not really a big, like, go out there and, oh, you know, try to yeah. do a territorial yeah. type of sound. But, <laughs> well, but, Mick, but Mick, if you Mick turn Mick around and do up. some whoops or some tree knocking or whatever, that's going to elicit their curiosity. They may come closer. That's what you want them to do. So I don't, I, I don't elicit necessarily call blasting to elicit a response necessarily like an audible. But well, you know, and the other thing come, that come we check need to, it out. the other thing you need to keep in mind is you are speaking a language that you don't understand. I mean, I don't know how to speak Chinese. I don't know how to speak Chinese, but if I tried to just like make Chinese, like act like I did, and I was talking to Jackie Chan and I made up something that sounded Chinese, how do I know that I didn't just ask him, do you want to fight? Because I don't want to ask that dude if he wants to Well, that's what Mick was saying, Jeff. That's why the safest type of sounds you can use are whoops, because whoops and all other primates aside from us are curiosity. Their yeah. curiosity, yeah, I mean, and I think their uh, location. You know, like if I whoop and you whoop back, I get a general idea of where you're located. And then if I move, and I know you've likely moved, and I whoop and you whoop back, we're te- we're letting each other know where we're at. We're really not doing anything other than just identifying where we're at. I would right. Say. And uh, last call for the call-in line. If you want to ask anybody here a question, 
518-692-4518. Last call, 518-692-4518, because we're getting close to the end of the show. Yeah, I've never done any of the call stuff. I mean, well, I've never done the call blasting, like using a recording or anything, and I've never gone out to make those kind of, because I can't. Conscious, I know a few Oh, why is that keeps popping up? I know a few words in German. Can I call blast that too? Nice. Was ist los mit du, Don? Was ist los? Haben Sie einen Vogel? That's right. Scheißen Sie in deinen Hosen? That's the one you need to call blast in German. Is Kommen Sie hier, bitte. Schnell. Bitte mach schnell. There's a lot of difference in the research techniques and how people do their research. Yep. And some guys will go out to an area and they'll get a stick. They'll knock on the tree, you know, and listen for a response. And if they get a response, we got a response. We got a response. That's great. And then uh, the next night they go out. Knock again. And or did they get a response? Oh, got a response, guys. Well, you know, that's just kind of monotonous. You go out there and knock on the tree. Okay, you got a response, so you know they're in the area. See, to me, that's, that's, that's the first step. Find the area that they're in. Sasquatch then, in the night. Then it, it's time. You got to make Sasquatch in the night. Time to put boots on the ground. That one's too light. I'll try a big one. This is this tool that he has bought is after you determine that that you have maybe some activity in the area. Now it's time to put boots on the ground. Get out there during the day, put in the miles, and see if you can have a sighting or find some tracks. Well, I I think that. Well, here I said this a lot towards them. What's that? I said hearing wood knocks is great and knocking back is all wonderful and oh it's a great experience, but how about this? Wood knocks. Okay, caller from the six six one area code, you're on Squatch D T V. Six six one, hello. Hello. Hi, hi, this is Danny from Southern Sierra. Just want to know hey. what the gang thought about the uh, Independence Day footage. I thought I heard you comment negatively on it, uh, Steve, but I'm not sure. I might be misquoting you there. I'm trying to think of the Independence Day. I always confuse that one because there's the Memorial Day footage. Memorial Day? Nah, right. Sure. And that's different. It's a real clear the one. one. Uh, the Independence Day would be supposedly the mom, dad, and, and an infant. Oh, okay. that one. That's yeah. That was that's the uh, Independence Day. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty certain that that was already uh, uh, debunked as a Leroy Blevins. Leroy Blevins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Leroy Blevins putting that yeah. out there to kind of fool people to see if anybody would using. Yeah, it. Leroy had built us. He was a great. He's no longer with us, but he he was a great, smart guy. Okay. And he was a firm yeah, I believer. I heard you give a negative on that. Is that correct? Correct. I don't. Yeah. Can you hear Chris talking? I'm. I'm it's breaking up a little bit, Steve. How, how am yeah. I coming in? 
You're coming in fine. Yeah. It just may be a little okay. of this. Uh, let me try one thing a little you're bit good, here. You're good. You're good now. You're good now. Okay. Okay. So go ahead, Chris. Go ahead and answer that one again. Yeah. Yeah. The the Independence Day footage, which was the the female, reported female with the infant. Okay. Yeah. That, that was a, a Leroy Blevins hoax. And uh, Leroy had created, he was a firm believer now, Leroy's not with us anymore, but he was a firm believer that the Patterson-Gimlin film was a hoax and that Patty was a suit. And he was so, so uh, uh, dedicated to this that he created, he said he knew he could build a suit. And he did build a dang good suit. He really did. And if you've seen the Independence footage, the, the Independence Day footage, where the, the mother picks up the infant, that's Leroy. Gotcha. Did you get that, um, Danny? I, I did, Steve, and I'd like to comment on that if I could real quick. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, Thursday, I just saw um, on Squatch America, and gosh, I can't believe I, I'm still learning Bigfoot stuff. I can't remember the guy's name. He's written about 15 books. If you said his name, I'd, you know, but anyway, um, I think he cited Thinker Thunker. And the body ratios on that, not just the Patty film, but on the Independence Day film as well. And he was of the mind, strong mind, that 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 could not be, um, you know, that could not be humans in there. Thinker, Thunker? Yeah, well, <clears throat> hang on one second. I got to kill my monitor down a little bit. You know, Thinker, Thunker uh, can... Um, just a couple of things. I think Thunker can, uh, you know, he, he can go off course, but I wouldn't consider everything he says as gospel either. So I would, mm -hmm. uh, you know, be very careful about that. Yep. Um, I wouldn't take everything I say as gospel. No, you know, no, it's, no. It's, it's, it's very, you know, it's very important that people are going to have uh, diverse opinions, but, um, well, and know, people and people who are in the business I of giving an opinion around, around that and yep. three suits to fake and that's uh i'll have I'll, I'll call back sometime and have a little more uh i just can't remember the guy's name that was on there uh you, you'd know him old timers you written about 15 books on sure if that's the video of it walking behind rocks and stuff like that yeah yeah um so when I, now, now i'm green but when i first saw that i thought wow that that looks kind of natural and i guess somebody could go the lengths of three costumes instead of one you know they could pull out but the uh to me, that, I mean, how, how do you move an, an elbow and make it make it move in a different spot? Yeah, I got to take a better look at that one, but uh, yeah. Well, thanks. I, well, I appreciate you taking my yeah. call. <laughs> oh, anytime. Anytime. Yeah. I'll take a better look at it. We yeah. can have another discussion on that. And, and Leroy was oh, a, yeah. a. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Right, he was a conspiracy theorist, and he written several books on uh, the JFK. Uh, a lot yep. of anything that was a conspiracy, yeah, he was, in. was into it. Yep. And he was a firm believer that the Patterson Gimlin film was faked. And he was, he was of so much of strong opinion about it. He was going to build a Patty suit and by golly, he built a pretty good suit. He really did. And there used to be some photos of it on uh, the uh, Bigfoot forums. I don't know if they're still there or not. Um, <laughs> still kept the old forum up you know you might be able to find them there but uh he he's got some pretty good uh pretty good photos pretty good work on that suit 
you know, I think it fell short of being Patty. I think it fell short by a bunch. Yeah. But uh, with that Independence Day footage, uh, I think you're getting a good look at the suit. Yep. I think it, I think it's important to stay mindful that when it comes to those who are in the business of giving a thumbs up and a thumbs down to things yeah. that, you know, nobody's going to bet a thousand. Even those guys right. are going to get it wrong. I think Thinker Thunker has got it right more than he's got it wrong. And then here comes the Feller Buncher video, right? I mean, it's like... Once you see that, you're like, okay, he's not guaranteed to knock it out of the park. He's going to make mistakes. And, you know, I don't think any of us are immune to that possibility yeah. of being wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He fell, uh, Leroy's fell short. His suit fell short of being Patty. But what I was saying, though, from what we've seen with people wearing the, uh, the gorilla suits and trying to make a, uh, Halloween Bigfoot a Butchie Kid video. Okay. Uh, Leroy's suit was pretty good. Yep. Well, folks, it's come to that time again. Guess what time it is? It's that time again where it is oh. time to say goodbye. Oh, and uh, I want to thank, uh, hang on a second. I got this little interesting. Ah, oh, that's better. We have this little interesting thing going on right now with my headset for a minute. Um, but anyway, uh, we have uh, come to the end of the show, but I want to thank uh, first Mark Henry for coming on tonight. He's not with us right now, but um, thank you for coming on. Joe, thanks for popping on a couple of times, answering that question. Jeff, as always, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I had a fun time tonight. And um, with that, Chris, do your thing, brother. Yeah. Again, I want to thank uh, Mark for coming on and Joe and Jeff for joining us here. Uh, thank everybody in chat, everybody on the podcast. We appreciate you guys. If it's the first time listening to the show, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, if you're w watching the YouTube channel, hey, man, hit a subscribe, hit a like. Uh, it's the only way that uh, we can be found in the search algorithm. And uh, we appreciate you guys. You guys make the show, and you always you know, give us so many different directions to go in. <laughs> One of the best sure. things we can do for channels like ours is um, share it with your friends. I mean, if there's people yeah. in the, in this community that are like-minded like you are, yeah. and you know for a fact that they aren't tuning in to Steve's show, it, tell them about it. Share, share a link to it. Yep, sharing is caring. So, But uh, anyway, uh, thanks again, gentlemen, for coming on. I want to wish everybody, hey, I think the uh, call-in line worked out great tonight. So that yep. was that was pretty cool. And so we got something new. Oh, don't forget now we got scriptozoology. Scriptozoology, thanks, gonna have to start. I'm going to have to start using that one, too. <laughs> you know, we have hashtag stop the lunacy, hashtag no red circles, hashtag no script, no scriptozoology. So Hi, uh, that's pretty. We're going to use that. And hello, Nikki. And uh, again, thanks everybody for tuning in. We're glad to see you all, and we'll catch you all here next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Squatch DTV. As always, everybody keep safe. God bless. Have a fun, healthy week, and always keep on squatching.
Hey folks, you've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless and keep on squatching.